Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars this week on inside supercars we go into the vault from july 2006 and have a look at what was going on some 10 years ago in v8 supercars it's an interesting show Peter Norton and also Grant Boyden on the round table. I hope you enjoy this look back at V8 Supercars on Inside Supercars. Hi, I'm Paul Radisson from Team Kiwi Motorsport. Each week, find out what's going on in the world of V8 Supercars with V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Murph wants drivers to have more say. You know, if there's a Visco and Tiger are looking for ideas, which I've never really asked for, I believe there's a lot of people out there with that have probably got ideas and, you know, the board themselves, we should actually speak to a few other people rather than keeping it to themselves to, to work things out or, or come up with something to try. Warren Luff gets set for a big weekend. For us, we've just got to work on improving the qualifying performance, and if we can do that, we know that we've got a car that is definitely capable of finishing in the top ten at the end of the weekend. And speculation on Ford Performance Racing's next driver continues to hot up as silly season gets into second gear. Ford and Holden say that V8 supercars have to cut costs to continue manufacturer support. The red lights are about to go out on the V8 Insiders. Greg Murphy has called for drivers to be given greater consultation in the future of V8 supercar racing. It would be good if the drivers did have uh, a bit more input maybe or just a view, not not necessarily making decisions but at least uh, were respected enough to have a bit of a, a say on it or or sorry an input or an idea put forward i don't believe that the driver should be you know be making uh, big bold decisions but at least um maybe uh, put forward some some of our views rather than um, um have have everything decided for us and you know uh then you know the, the, i suppose the, the the answer to that by by some of the people would be well you know you've got team owners you need to talk to them about it well you know not necessarily the team owners that you've got are going to agree with everything you've got to say. So I think that the team, uh, the, the drivers, uh, you know, should be able to put something forward and, and through an association is probably the right way to do it. And I'm quietly confident that we are going to find an improvement with our car considering the effort and the bits and pieces that have gone on since, since Darwin. So, um, yeah, I think big things can happen. It's a funny funny circuit this year. We've got a three-race format instead of the one 300k race, which, um, again, we'll, we'll throw, throw it wide open with the reverse grid as well. So... Uh, even though you might be the favourite and you win the first race, your day can be made pretty difficult by the, what happens in the second race. Greg Murphy is expecting Lowndes to be the man to beat this weekend. 
Murphy is one of many leading drivers who feel that the sport is making decisions that are not in their best interest. I, I think when you've got uh, shareholders in a business such as V8 Supercars, teams that put in so much time, effort and spend so much money, um, and when you've got livelihoods depending on it and you know decisions that are made that affect you directly when... Um, when really you probably should have something, you know, when you should have a say in it, um, it probably annoys a few people. So, um, for... Murphy is hoping that Queensland Raceway will see a timely turnaround for super cheap auto racing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting, interesting place. And I, I it, you know, like most test tracks, the, the teams that test it should have an advantage, um, although that didn't seem to work out at, uh, at uh, Winton for us. Um, I think the Queensland teams, you know, are going to be very strong. They always prove to be very strong up there at Queensland, and, and Lowndes going very well at the moment. Obviously, winning the last two races, and um, uh, I think he's probably going to be the, pretty much the favourite up there. Um, but saying that, you know, there's a lot of teams going really good at the moment. And... Stephen Richards has firmed as hot favourite for the Ford Performance Racing Drive, with Larry Perkins, Jack Daniels Racing, looking to lose its star driver. Perkins has an option on Stephen Richards into 2007. And it seems, much like what Ron Dennis is doing with Juan Pablo Montoya and NASCAR, that the contract is the starting point of the negotiations. Insiders have not ruled out David Brabham to fill the Ford Performance Racing seat, as Brabham has expressed a desire to return home, and the sports car race could be enticed by the now front-running team. Don't be surprised if Scott Pruitt's name doesn't start appearing. Pruitt, a champ car driver who has won the Lexmark Indy 300 in the past, has also indicated that he would love to run in the V8 Supercar Series. And having been a long-time Ford supporter, his name is starting to bob up into the frame. So what then for Greg Murphy? Well, insiders suggest the deal is done and that he'll be joining Jason Richards at Tasman Motorsport in 2007. That will open up the seat at Super Cheap Auto Racing. But on this year's form, what front-running driver will want to make the change and the chance that the new VE program will be successful? Many believe that the team which told the V8 insiders a month ago... There is no sale, there's no discussions and uh, that's the end of it. ...has been sold and Marcus Marshall will move from Ford to Holden next season. Ford and Holden Chiefs have expressed their concerns on the future of V8 supercars as they look forward to the new salary cap and, if, and believe if the measures are not brought into place soon, manufacturers may not be able to stay involved with the sport. Both Ford's Ray Price and Holden's Simon McNamara have spoken out about the ever-increasing cost to run in Australia's Premier Series. Team Kiwi Racing is also making a move, not from its Gold Coast base, but to Ford. Ford New Zealand, major sponsors of New Zealand Rugby, have decided it's time to make a move into the V8 supercars and will team up once again with Ford stalwart Paul Radisich to make their mark across the ditch. Townsville has announced that it is not if, but when they have a round of the V8 Supercar Championship. Last Friday, an estimated 10,000 fans made their way to the Convention Centre to see Will Power and Max Wilson put their WPS Champ Car and V8 Supercar through its paces. With Queensland Premier Peter Beattie and the V8 Supercar Chief Tony Cochran on hand to oversee the FNQ's launch of the Lexmark Indy 300, it was expected that the announcement of the Townsville Street Race would be made. 
but the environmental impact report had not reached the Townsville City Council in time for discussion. So the announcement was passed over. But if 10,000 people turn up for a press conference, then the rates will be a motto for all concerned. New Zealand's A1GP driver Johnny Reid was one of many drivers who took themselves to Queensland Raceway last week for the pre-race test. 18 cars were preparing themselves for this weekend's round of the championship, with many teams giving their enduro drivers some valuable seat time. Glenn Seaton and Luke Yulden both got aboard SBR Falcons, and Dick Johnson Racing's new signing Alex Davison also had an opportunity to turn some laps. Holden Racing's enduro driver had an impressive ninth place at the latest round of the IRL series in Nashville. Marcus Ambrose had a tough weekend at Memphis when Johnny Benson spun in front of him. Ambrose, with nowhere to go, collected the former Nextel Cup driver, and after a series of pit stops to repair his truck, he rounded out the weekend in 34th position. Warren Luff is enjoying his racing with Brytech at the moment, but he's amazed at the amount of publicity and sponsorship the team has been able to attract. The team have um, obviously... Uh come up with a, a, a few different uh, and, and interesting sponsorships and um, and look it's great for the profile of the of the team and, and it's great to be able to be part of a team that's that's bringing new sponsors into the sport. Ricky Collingwood's hypnotherapy CD will be aboard the Fujitsu Falcon this week and I asked Warren if he'd had a chance to listen to what it was all about. I haven't actually heard any of them yet but um, I've, I've heard they're quite good so I'm, uh, I'm sure I'll get a copy this weekend. We'll hear more from Warren Luff this week on our white flag lap. That's all the news on the V8 Insiders. We'll take a pit stop and be back with more next. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bolt Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Joining us for our roundtable discussion this week from Inside Motorsport, Peter Norton and the man who joins Barry Oliver every V8 supercar round down on the pit lane and of course from Speed Week on SBS is Grant Boyden. Good afternoon. Good afternoon gentlemen, how are we? Very good and uh, good afternoon to everyone. It's uh, been a while since I've been on and it's actually been frustrating listening to you guys argue over things and I've wanted to, to get my two cents worth in and I'll finally get another chance. Well, guarantee you'll get an argument today. Okay, we're on. It is interesting times in the V8 supercars. Two topics we're going to talk about in detail today. Number one is drivers feeling that they are being left out locked out of discussions about the future of the sport and two the manufacturers saying if you guys don't get costs under control our budgets won't uh, won't see us being able to sustain our involvement it's an interesting time with the money coming in from tv revenue but the sponsors the drivers all and the, the manufacturers of course all saying hey guys <laughs> you're getting a bit too rich for our blood um, yes, I think that uh, there's quite a few issues there around the, the costs and, and the role of the drivers. Uh, I'd like to 
probably start with the, the role of the drivers. It's been suggested that uh, they need a, a drivers association or something like that to uh, put their voices forward. And it's interesting, in most other series, the, the drivers association really focuses on a safety role, our safety at the track and all of those sorts of aspects. And generally we don't see the drivers too involved in the business of the sport, uh, the business of the entertainment. Uh, they really need to look after uh, you know, their safety uh, and their role as employees of a team. But I'm sure, Grant, if uh, someone said to Michael Schumacher, for your pole position this round, we're going to make you uh, split the race in half and start from the back of the field in the second race, he might have something to say then. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I mean, how much do you... Obviously, you need to take into account what, what drivers' thoughts are and, and their passion and motivation for what they're doing. But at the end of the day, you can't... You can't get them involved in, in those sorts of decisions because, well, reverse grid races and things like that would never come up. On the reverse grid race, I suppose we need to determine straight away, is V8 supercar racing a sport? Is it a genuine endeavour to try and find the best V8 supercar driver each year or is it an entertainment package? Now, if it's an entertainment package, yeah, reverse grids work. I, I happen to be a fan of them. I like them um, because of the entertainment value. But however... I wasn't the one paying the bills for all the cars that were destroyed during uh, during those races, and I certainly wasn't the one losing championship points. So we need to determine, are we a sport or are we an entertainment package? I mean, you mentioned Formula One and Michael Schumacher. For years and years, people have been saying, Formula One's boring, there's no overtaking, it's, it's dull to watch. Yeah, well... It's not about overtaking. It's about finding out who is the best driver, team combination and car combination in the world. And you certainly get that every time you watch Formula One. But you don't see overtaking. I think we need to redefine what we're trying to get out of our sport more so than whether this person's got a thought on a reverse grid or that person's got a... You know, every driver's going to say no to a reverse grid. Every driver's going to put, try and push their own barrow. I mean, within the structure of what V8 supercars has they do have that Tiga the uh, touring car entrance group so I mean the, the the team managers and certain representatives are are they pushing their own barrow well if the if the team manager can't push the barrow for the driver well the driver's got an issue with the team manager I think I always think that uh, the drivers have in many respects a, a conflict of interest uh, against the entertainment side of the sport. Uh, over the years, uh, I've lost count of how many drivers are asking for the perfect car so they can do qualifying laps for the whole race. And while that is technical excellence, it is uh, fabulous precision in their driving, it actually leads to boring processional racing because everyone is out there uh, driving perfectly. I think the entertainment value, the, the, the drama, the things that the viewers turn on to watch or what drags people to trackside is when a car is deteriorating, um, when there is some drama about someone being uh, through a, a botched pit stop or through a reverse grid or something like that, all of a sudden they're mid-pack and they have to fight their way through. Uh, I love the irony that uh, reverse grids, uh, they made the announcement that uh, they'd be stopped later in the year after perhaps the, the best one uh, up at, uh, at Darwin. Um, it came across through the TV very well as Craig Lowndes had to carve his way through the field. You know, that was a reverse grid that actually worked on TV. Um, so it is a little bit sad that uh, they, there won't be too many more of them, but uh, as Grant said, uh, we're not paying the bills, uh, so uh, you know, we can uh, put our opinion forward without our, our wallet biting. Yeah, now look, it does make it very difficult, and when you consider... The, the new television contract for you know the up and coming years, 
let's be honest, Channel 7 and Channel 10 at the moment would like to have an entertainment package because that's what's going to attract viewers and therefore attract sponsors, etc., etc. We need just to determine what, what are we trying to achieve here? What is our main goal? What is our main purpose? Because you can't have reverse grid races and, and, and still be about the, the sporting endeavour. I mean, I look back statistically, Nigel Greenway that does uh, a lot of statistics for uh, V8 Supercars Australia and, and for Channel 10 for that matter, and I work with him at the uh, Formula One Grand Prix, does the winner of a person who started from the rear of the grid but actually started off pole because of a reverse grid race, does he get credited with a race win? Therefore, should he be credited with a race win? Or, there, or should your Craig Lowndes or your Mark Scaife, the man who finished fifth in a reverse grid race, should he be given the accolade of, of having the most victories? It, it throws in a, a whole gamut of, of things for us to think about. But hey, look, at the end of the day, one of the things I love about motorsport, probably more so than the on-track activity, if you've got 40,000 people in a, at an event, you've got 40,000 opinions on the way the sport should be run. And I've got to love people's passion and enthusiasm for that. And we're seeing it this year from drivers that are dead set one way or, or against it. We're, we're, we're hearing their real thoughts and where they stand on the issues. And unfortunately, I think in motorsport, with you know the rule bringing the sport into disrepute, we don't hear enough of what really goes on in the minds of the drivers and the team managers. Yeah, it's been good to get uh, the opinions here on the Insiders. I know last week, listeners to the uh, Insiders Extra would have heard Brad Jones saying, hey, I'm a team manager. And I find things out 10 seconds before the media and the rest of the public. And and uh, he put it down to there's too many leaks inside the V8 Supercar Series. And that's why people are left out in the dark. And perhaps one of the reasons why uh, drivers aren't feeling they're being consulted as much is perhaps V8 Supercars Australia are going but they're the first ones that let the cat out of the bag when we've got a big announcement. That's right. <laughs> there's, 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 one way to, there's, there's one way to, you know, put out a media release, tell somebody in pit lane. And, and let's be honest, a lot of the team managers, and I know this from personal experience, having done now 12 months of pit lane for V8 supercars, teams are players. They will put out little stories and little ideas, and not so much in press releases, but taps on the shoulder and things like that. You go and chase up the story, and you find that there's maybe not a great deal of fact to it, but it helped their cause to stir the pot. I mean, motorsport is psychological as well as, as well it is, as it is mechanical and physical, and you need to keep that in the back of your mind as well. And Peter, of course, we talk about the fans' opinion. Generally, the fans like the reverse grid races, and when, when 10,000 people turn up to Townsville on a Friday afternoon to watch a launch of an IndyCar race, you know that that race is going to really have some support. Yes, the, the, the fans really are the, the whole passion behind the whole machine, and we have to keep that drama and entertainment uh, in there. Grant, I'd just like to get your opinion. You mentioned that the 40,000 passionate fans liking the reverse grids, but many people have pointed out that it's too confusing that the, uh, the guy standing next to the fence can't follow what's really going on. Do people uh, not give the fans credit uh, where it's due, that they're actually pretty switched on? There two things. I didn't actually say that they were fans of the reverse grid race. I just said that there were 40,000 different opinions on, on the way the sport should be run. Uh, but on that topic itself, yeah, reverse grid races do get rather confusing when you're, when you're at a, a racetrack. In fact, 
quite a few races, uh, even if they're not reverse grid races, can can get a little bit confusing. But the one thing that I've always kept in the back of my mind as, as a commentator or, or a pit lane reporter is never, ever underestimate the knowledge bank of the person sitting up on the hill because in Australia there are people that live breathe and eat V8 supercar racing. I, I have the pleasure of catching up with people that have been in New Zealand with me, have been at Barbagello with me, have been in Darwin with me, you know, from one stretch of the planet to the other side of the planet almost, you know, as far as we're concerned here in Australia. And I'm, I, don't, I, I don't have to pay for my airline tickets. They do. They're that passionate about their sport. They follow it. And if I ever think that I've got a better knowledge bank than, than they have, I'm, abs- I'm committing, uh, I suppose, what you'd call uh, commentary suicide because they know the game. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a very good point. V8 supercar fans do have a good knowledge base, and we need to keep that in the back of our mind too. So is it entertainment, Grant, or is it? pure sport i'd like to look at the sporting side of it myself look i I thought i was one of those people that was in favor of the reverse grid race because it did provide entertainment it did provide drama at uh you know v8 supercar rounds and and i think you know well i don't even think that's been lacking in years to tell the truth i i can find positive reasons for nearly every driver in the field to win and, and for every team to have success but by the same token look i do understand that this is a sport, this is about finding who's going to be the championship leader at the end of the year and it's sort of that, that little quote hangs in the back of my head, why should we penalise somebody for doing something right? Mm. I'm very much in the opposite camp there. Uh, I think it's all about reality TV, it's drama, it's entertainment and it's people watching and being glued to the set is why all of the corporates throw their money at it. Um, yeah, I take a very different view uh, for those reasons. So it is racing is wrestling really and after the break we'll talk about the money side of it because well Mark Glendening has uncovered that perhaps things aren't so happy over at the manufacturer's side of the street. We'll take a pit stop and return. The yellow's out. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Grant Boyden from Speed Week, and of course, he prowls pit lane, breaks up the fights, as we saw at Winton Motor Raceway, and uh, of course, Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport. Well, I think you're the one that's trying to start the fight here today, Peter. Um, I'm doing my best, yep. Look, uh, Ford and Holden, two manufacturers, they do pump a lot of money into motorsport, and... uh, well, it sounds like Holden executives might be trying to turn the screws on the new motorsport manager in Simon McNamara, and both 
Ray Price and Simon McNamara have come out in the broadsheets, well, not in the broadsheets, in the weeklies, and said that we uh, need to get costs under control because sponsors and manufacturers might not be able to stay involved in the sport. Uh, let me put my uh, business advisor hat on here for a moment and really just highlight the fact that the sport that we love is actually a minefield of conflicts of interest. Uh, the manufacturers want to get the most for their uh, marketing dollar, so of course they want to uh, control the costs. Um, but they want to make sure that the entertainment value is there so they get the return on their publicity. And we just have to look at all the different stakeholders in the sport and you'll find differences in the way that they look at things. Uh, the team owners, they want no damage to the car because that comes out of their wallet, um, but they want the, the sporting success so that they can attract the sponsors and uh, also more money from the manufacturers. Uh, the fan, he wants more drama. The drivers want a perfect car for the whole race and they want to collect trophies. And I think it presents a, a, a real minefield for the governance of the sport. And across the history of motorsport, we see different series that come along, uh, gather some support, and then we have infighting uh, and people go their different ways. You've got the ups and downs of the economy that uh, either throw money in or take it away. Um, and I think this is where some of the, the real credit has to go to uh, Tony Cochran uh, and his management of the sport over the last 10 years. He's kept everyone together. But those conflicts of interest and that the governance of the sport, I think that leads a little bit to uh, what we were talking about earlier, about the, the number of leaks and why the drivers aren't represented on the board and all of those sorts of issues. Um, the people on the board, they actually have a, a legal obligation to put their other interests to one side and they have to operate in the best interests of the company that they're the board member of. Uh, and of course that's really hard to do. Uh, in a lot of other boards, when people are in that situation, they have to up and leave because uh, they can't vote in good conscience because uh, that would be a vote against their interests in other things. Uh, so it's just a minefield uh, and uh, really comes back then to the, the manufacturer's role. Um, yeah, it's great that they're putting that amount of support in and I guess it's just the, the theme around the globe at the moment, the, the real focus on the value for money that manufacturers or other people are getting from the sport. We see it in Formula One as well, the supposed pinnacle uh, technically of motorsport in the world. They're trying to uh, you know, control their costs and bring things down a little bit as well. Mm. Grant, it is important that we can see 32 cars out on the track, all competitive, and if money isn't going to be there for them, well, who wants to watch four cars that are at the front run around every week? Yeah, but if you took out 10 of the current V8 supercar teams and opened up the door, you'd have another 10 jumping up to try and jump into it too by the same token. Look, trying to control cost is, is an important thing. Let, let's be honest, we don't want cost blowing out to the point where manufacturers are worried about their, their, their commitment to motorsport. And at the end of the day, with with the way the current economy is and the way things are being clamped right across the board, you know it's going to happen in motorsport too. But just put this thought into your head for a second. There's, there's a rule up here in, in New South Wales which is absolutely ridiculous. Keep left and less overtaking, and if you don't, you cop a three-point fine and you know, uh, three points off your licence and a $150 fine or whatever it is. I don't know anyone. I've never met a person who has been fined for that. The reason being, it's too hard to, for, the, for the police force to actually enforce the rule. Don't have a rule if you can't control it. If you wanted to put a ceiling cap, 
say, on the budget of a V8 supercar team. Say they said, no, no V8 supercar team in the country is allowed to spend more than $10 million on, on their budget that year. That's fine. Show me how you're going to check it and enforce it. I mean, we saw this with the, the testing rule, didn't we? And then all of a sudden there were all these different avenues of allegedly, like use that word advisedly, allegedly teams working in association with other teams to try and multiply their data. There are so many ways, if you want to win and you're reading the rules, there's so many ways to, to use those rules to your advantage and budgets you know, within V8 supercar teams is a very, very difficult issue. If there was a great formula, if there was a great way of working working it out so that everybody was in the same boat, I would be behind it wholeheartedly. But I haven't seen that formula yet. Mm. I, guess I have uh, similar concerns there about how difficult it will be to enforce it. And uh, it comes back to one of Grant's earlier points about the, the psychological game of motorsport. Uh, if I was a, a team or a manufacturer that's confident that uh, I can chart a course around some of those rules to get more uh, resources to my teams and therefore a greater chance of success, um, yeah, I'd be very keen to uh, uh, adopt some of these rules because it may hinder my uh, competition. And, uh, well, the, the suggestion is that Ford has uh, spent big over the last couple of years on driver salaries. Now, they're multi-year contracts. If a, uh, a cost cap... Um, was imposed on a team, and a team that's already locked into a, a nice, healthy driver salary, um, you know, to, just have to do the math. It means they've got less money within that uh, that cost cap uh, to spend on the car and other technical aspects. So yeah, I could see that Holden may be pretty keen on this. They could have a better car with a cheaper driver mm. at the same uh, total cost. Well, I guess the driver tug-of-war is... Uh Already underway, and Richo is the favourite to move from Jack Daniels Racing over to, of course, FPR, although you can't rule out uh, uh, David Brabham. And another name that's bobbed up is Scott Pruitt, who has said he wants to come and race V8 supercars in Australia. So, And he's a long-time Ford man in the United States. So it is, it is interesting, and, of course... Well, when you talk driver's salaries, they've got a vested interest in them. Team owners have a vested interest. They want to get Craig Lowndes on Peter Norton's driving salary. Yeah, but don't forget, it's not just the salaries that attracts a V8 supercar driver. It's the merchandise and the percentage of merchandise that they can they can scoop off the top. You know, they get a, a certain percentage, or well, some of them do, a certain percentage with their name on a cap or on a T-shirt, and then a, a further percentage of any team merchandise that's sold with just their team logo on it. I mean, it's not just about how much money we can get in, in our contract, but what sundries can come underneath that too. And that's why, once again, that... Um, Salary cap's very, very difficult to work on for, for a driver, let alone a team. Mm. And I think it goes even a, a little bit further than that, that um, it's about building uh, a, a driver's personal brand, something that uh, increases their value uh, for the whole of their life. Yeah. What value would you put on Peter Brock as a personal brand? And that's where Steve Richards, I think, has a, uh, uh, an interesting little decision in front of him about leaving the marketing might of Jack Daniels. Uh, he can build his personal brand in, in that area uh, exponentially by being Mr. Jack Daniels Racing. Um, it's not necessarily about having his name on the hat, but the, the, just the profile that that uh, role will build uh, is extremely valuable. Uh, You're no fun, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell you what, though, with Larry Perkins only having one licence next year until he can buy a new one, 
Could Stephen Richards take Jack Daniels Racing to FPR? That, I don't know. I don't know what sort of contract they they have. That would be the interesting one because FPR, Caterpillar have said they'll only sponsor one car and they might not be back next year. Could we see one car at Jack Daniels Racing over at Larry Perkins, but having to sub off a second car off FPR perhaps to be able to fulfil their sponsorship requirements of two cars in the V8 supercar field. I think it's a bit of an outside chance. Uh, I've always admired Larry Perkins as a bush lawyer. Over the years, he's uh, done some remarkable uh, legal manoeuvres uh, in front of stewards and, and other aspects of the sport. Yeah, I think um, a few stewards that have other names besides bush lawyers for him, but I follow where you're coming from. Yeah, um, uh, so I, I would be staggered if Larry Perkins had uh, uh, left a, a hole like that, um, that someone could uh, steal his... Uh, brand new marvellous sponsor in such a way. Now of course maybe you're right that uh, he he may still own that sponsor but not have two cars that he can put them on and that would put him into a, a rather interesting position but uh, uh, Larry's done all sorts of surprising things over the years so uh, I wouldn't write off that uh, he'll have two cars next year. As the yellow flag heads back out onto the track we'll gather it up behind the safety car as we get ready to preview Queensland Raceway. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Percat. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck. For Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas, there actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Inside Supercars. Grant Boyden and Peter Norton joining me, Craig Revell, as we, well, start to look at Queensland Raceway. And of course, this year it's 300, but not as we know it. Three races, a reverse grid race included, and Grant, I can imagine you can't wait to get back down to pit lane because you can be assured of plenty of excitement and drama. Oh, yes, and Queensland Queensland will supply it. You know, there'll be people taking lunges from a mile back going down into some of the tight turns, and you can see people closing the doors before you even get there. This year's going to be really, really interesting, especially when it comes to qualifying. Don't forget, for the last five years, one man has dominated qualifying. That, of course, was Marcus Ambrose with a 100% record, five starts, five pole positions. It's the first time since 2001 we're going to see a different driver on pole position. Mark Scaife doesn't have an ex- you know, exciting record up there as he still continues to try and chase um, Peter Brock's uh, most amount of victories in, in round victories. So he's got plenty of work to be done this weekend as well. The, the only question that I think's already answered is who's going to be the winner, but I'll, I'll keep, that for a, uh, keep that in the back of my hat for the short term and get your, your thoughts on it first. Peter, it'll be interesting to get your thoughts on it as, uh, well, Queensland Raceway has been dominated by Queensland-based teams not since the year 2000. Have we seen, one, a Holden, and two, a Melbourne-based team take the victory? Yes, you're right. If you study the statistics, then uh, there's no point going. Uh, it's going to be uh, 
probably Lowndes that's going to win uh, quite comfortably. Uh, I think that uh, Stone Brothers Racing, uh, if they're going to come good this year, this is probably the, the first track that really uh, uh, favours them because they've got so much data and they've got so much history there. Uh, the five pole positions to Mark Sambrose I think highlights the, uh, the technical dominance that Stone Brothers Racing probably have going into this round. Uh, as they dr drag the, the cars off the truck, they should be in front. But I think we just have to look at the, uh, the history, and it highlights that the track they call a paperclip, um, in the early years it was uh, denounced as being really quite boring. Uh, it actually turns up some fascinating racing. Uh, and I have very fond uh, memories from the, the year 2001, watching uh, Paul Radisic uh, uh, give his uh, trademark wave to the, to the crowd and his doubters uh, from the sand trap when the red flag came out and he won the race. Um, it's that kind of drama that uh, this race uh, has a history of delivering. And you just have to look at the, uh, the winners across the last six years. Uh, they're all different. Um, Stone Brothers may have that technical edge pole position going in, but there's always a bit of drama there to mix it up. Uh, okay, Stone Brothers Racing is uh, very well represented uh, in those wins, but it's not the same guy every year. Mm. Well, Grant, you, you said that you have looked forward to seeing a different winner. But is it going to be a three-peat for... I hate that. Is it going to be a trifecta for Craig Lowndes in the last three rounds? I don't think you could bet on it. I think the odds would be a little bit too short. I think he's, he's more than just a good thing, not only for a, a round victory at Queensland, but I, I would also say for the championship this season. I, I think that when you look at the, the makeup of the guy and the, the way the team synergy is going at the moment. They're on it. Yeah, look, Caltech's, uh, Caltech's Racing's Russell Ingall, we better not discount him. Don't forget, he's never ever finished outside the top 10 at Queensland Raceway. He's got an incredible record up there. Just, just you know, back to a point, I always love how people... I said I was looking forward to this round for, for a very good reason. If you come out of turn one, go into turn two at Queensland Raceway, it's a fast sweeping turn that rewards a driver that's got a good setup on his car, that protects his race, his racing tyres and gives him the opportunity for a great overtaking manoeuvre down into turn three. It's probably one of the circuits uh, that we travel to in Australia where overtaking is very much a possibility and the options are there. Ask Jason Richards if it's a boring circuit. I mean, we've seen some incredible racing at Queensland Raceway. It frustrates me when people say it's boring and we probably have more overtaking and more action at that circuit than than most of the ones we travel to. Certainly places like Winton can be a little bit dry in that domain. Yeah, I think Craig Lowndes is a very, very good thing to take out the hat trick this weekend. I've seen nothing that indicates to me that um, there's any issues with the team. If you get the chance, guys, one thing you have to do is grab a, a scanner or something and have a listen to Craig Lowndes and Campbell Little communicating throughout races. It's phenomenal. You'll see... You know, Craig Lowndes come up behind a, a lap car that's considered to be a bit of a bit of a worry out there, and Campbell will get on the two-way. Now, Craig, think about what you're going to do. Think about the weekend. It's not just about the race win; it's about the row win. Concentrate. Make sure you're overtaking manoeuvre. If you're gonna if you're gonna do it, make sure it's gonna it's gonna stick and you're not gonna get caught up. And then Craig will come on. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> he is so cool, calm, and collective. The team love him. He loves the team. Everything's going right for them this year. If they don't win the championship, there's something wrong. Yeah, well, it's a little bit like the uh, the cartoon conscience that sits above your shoulder and whispers in your ear about do good things. Oh yeah, it's it's phenomenal the way they the way they talk to each other. The amount of 
you know, I've seen Craig coming through corners where the back of the car is stepping out as he's trying to put the accelerator down, and he's still on the radio, cool, calm and collected, talking about the setup of the car. It's just, you know, the, the level that not just Craig, but, you know, people like Mark Scafe are able to do that too, and Garth Tander, and, and Jamie Wincup's fallen into that mould as well. The, the level of commitment from V8 supercar drivers nowadays is, is phenomenal, and I think with no disrespect intended, uh, Stone Brothers have a, have a small issue there. They've got James Courtney, who is very, very good at setting up open-wheeler cars, but just having a little bit of trouble at the moment relaying that information back to his team, and it's not only costing him positions out there as well, I think it's also costing Russell Ingle, because Russell has to go out with one car, one bit of data, and work on race setup instead of having uh, you know, a Marcus Ambrose or, or somebody like that alongside him to, to match data with to get... A a very, very good car very, very quickly. Mm. It is going to be an interesting weekend. For mine, it will be Garth Tander from Russell Engel from Craig Lowndes. So, oh, he's going for a Holden victory. And it hurts me too, Grant. It hurts me a lot. Well, I was going to uh, get people's opinion on Garth Tander. He's got a, a fabulous record there. He's always uh, up in the, in the podium. But do you think the, the Holden teams can uh, uh, have that extra little something to get to the front? I think they were shamed at Winton for mine, and they want to make sure when they get to Queensland Raceway, which really Queensland's seen as uh, Ford country and Victoria's seen as Holden country. I don't think anyone would disagree with me on that. Yeah, I agree with you. Yep, yep, yep. that's fair. So I think they want to go up into Ford territory and, uh, if you pardon the pun, and uh, really uh, put the lion's roar out amongst the, uh, the blue flags. Well, it is achievable at the end of the day, and certainly, you know, Garth Tanner's got a very good car at the moment. He's a very capable race car driver. He's, he's approached his championship very differently to, uh, I think, most people. He's been there consistently collecting points, staying out of trouble. In fact, uh, Hidden Valley was, the, you know, his first time on the podium as a round, a round victor or, you know, up in the top three of the, uh, at the end of the round. That may be just a little bit of a monkey off his back. So you might be on a winner there. You might be on, on the right thing. I just, if you look at the way the two teams operate, and I'm talking about Team Better Electrical and HSV Dealer Team, or the Toll HSV Dealer Team, you just have to give it at the moment to, uh, you know, the Better Electrical Team. They just seem to have a little bit more synergy going for them. Uh, I, I, I think... You're not without hope, but I would certainly classify it as an upset. Mm. I, I would say, Peter, just before I get you to slam me, um, I would say that the thing about uh, Garth Tander is his teammate is right there with him. Nothing between them and split times. That means two cars, data, completely valid. Yes, I think that is a, a real benefit for that team and uh, contributes to the success they've had this year. Uh, in my picks for the race, I definitely have Garth Tander up there uh, on the podium somewhere. Uh, his history there is just so strong, including I think he's uh, still the current lap record holder. So while it, it may look boring to the uninformed person, the track is actually extremely technical. Uh, and uh, Mark Zambro's obviously mastered it. Garth Tander's also a master of Queensland Raceway. It's just whether the, uh, the lack of testing miles there uh, has the Holdens in that small uh, disadvantage. Uh, my pick, uh, having studied the, the form guides, studied the press releases and all of that, uh, I have to agree that Craig Lowndes is uh, uh, a very strong favourite. Uh, he's got my money. Um, a couple of weeks ago, you guys uh, chatted about 
at the end of a V8 race when a, a driver doesn't win. We don't see people uh, crying as they walk away. Uh, I think if Lowndes does not win, there'll be tears. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Interesting, Craig, you mentioned um, that Garth's got a very good teammate, and I think, uh, I think we need to pay a little bit of homage to Rick Kelly at the moment. This year, uh, I believe it's a, it's a very different attitude that we're seeing out both on the circuit and off the circuit from Rick. He seems to be more relaxed, more calm about his media commitments. Um, he's more willing to, to chat with uh, particularly the media and the, and the fans. I think he's really starting to come to terms with, uh, and let's not forget he started at a pretty young age, I think he's starting to really come to terms with what's required to be um, a potential legend or a future future hero within the V8 supercar ranks. And yeah, I think he's a, he's a little bit of a dark horse at the moment. I, I watch him with a great deal of caution when I'm making predictions in races. Mm-hmm. Well, it is time for us to wrap things up. Grant... Pleasure to catch up with you. Look forward to seeing you on the weekend. And, of course, Peter Norton, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Uh, Thanks, Craig. It's a pleasure. (laughs) Thank you very much. Good to catch up with you both. The white flag lap is up next when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Our white flag lap, we speak to Warren Luff, and I asked Warren about Jason Bright's move into the Fujitsu Falcon 4 season 2007, and if he's excited about having the team owner racing beside him. Yeah, well, look, it's fantastic that Jason's coming back to Fujitsu Racing for next year, and obviously that's um, it's going to be a, a, a great thing for the team to have Jason there, because obviously he's... Uh, his results and his um, his position in the championship speaks for itself. So um, yeah, look, I'm I'm hopeful that uh, that I'll have a position in the team with Jason next year, and and he'll be a fantastic person to learn from. For yourself, though, the season has been one that you've been able to build on constantly. Going to Queensland Raceway this weekend, what are the goals? Look, I think for us, the the big thing is we're just we're constantly trying to work on improving the the qualifying speed of the car. Over the last few races, we've really we've started to show that we've got a, a quick car in the races, and, and Darwin was was proof of that in the in the reverse grid race. We had um, one of the quickest cars out there, um, but for us, we've just got to work on improving the qualifying performance. And if we can do that, we know that we've got a car that is definitely capable of finishing in the top ten at the end of the weekend. You are also well getting an interesting combination when you come to the Sandown and. Bathurst races with a, a pretty quick driver in macro joining you. Yeah, look, it's great to have Adam on board. Obviously, um, look, his results speak for themselves. He's uh, he's leading the Fujitsu Development Series at the moment, and uh, and he's doing a good job with that. So um, yeah, look, we're hopeful that he'll he'll uh, be a good uh, attribute to the team and and do a good job and and keep it sensible, keep it straight, and um, and help us score as many points as we can towards the championship. <laughs> 
Now, I've got to ask you, going into Queensland Raceway, you've got the hypnotapes on board. Have you listened to them? What do you think? I haven't actually heard any of them yet, but um, I've, I've heard they're quite good, so I'm, uh, I'm sure I'll get a copy this weekend. And, of course, uh, the name change. You're uh, going to become Ricky Bobby, of course, from Talladega <laughs> Knights fame. I, I guess it's one thing. We've seen a few high-profile sportsmen change their name before, but what's the process in that? Can you tell us what has to be done so you can actually drive sure. the car as Ricky Bobby? Well, look, we're just going through that process at the moment. We're just trying to find out from, obviously, um, a legality point of view. And, and there's a whole u- usual thing. You come up with a great idea, and then there's all, all the red tape that gets in the way of it. So, um, look, we're just going through that at the moment. But um, with, the, with the joint promotion with Sony Pictures for Talladega Nights, we've got a, a huge promotion sort of revolved around that. And, um, and yeah, one of, the, one of the interesting things is uh, for me to run as... Um, Ricky Bobby, which is uh, Will Farrell's character in the movie at, um, at, at Bathurst. But um, we'll just have to wait and see as to whether we can actually do it. Have you, like, had to approach Interpol to change your name and stuff like that? <laughs> no, I, I'm not actually doing a complete name change via Interpol. We're just trying to do it just as a, as a racing name. So, uh, yeah, no, I won't, I won't be uh, getting a new credit card with the name of Ricky Bobby on that. <laughs> Gee, you know, it could just get you out of a few jams, particularly when you're racing over in New Zealand. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't reckon people would take you serious. You'd go to you'd go to pay for something and you'd sign your name as Ricky Bobby, and they'd be like, "Who is that?" <laughs> well, you could be more famous in the states than you are at home. Well, exactly. It's uh, yeah, because uh, some of those NASCAR boys over there have got some uh, some pretty strange names. But uh, no, look, it's a as I said, it's a great promotion for the team, and it, and it brings a lot of um, extra media coverage to the team. So. Um, I suppose anything in the, in the name of coverage has got to be a good thing. Mm. And, of course, uh, for yourself, how have you summed up the season so far? Look, I think for, for, for the whole team, I think it's been a, a year that we've sort of continually built upon. I don't think we've had the, the results that, that we, we know that we're capable of as yet. Um, and that's the one thing that we're looking to do this weekend is to, is to be able to walk away with a good, a good result. We've really improved the speed of the car. Um, and over the last few rounds, uh, we've really started to sort of uh, make some big inroads to, to make the car better and better. And the guys have been doing a fantastic job. So I think it's, a, it's been a, a year that has uh, been improving fortunes and, um, and hopefully we can improve more again this weekend. As the chequered flag starts to wave, my thanks to Warren Luff, Grant Boyden and of course Peter Norton. We go back into the vault next week on Inside Supercars. I hope you can join me then. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.